This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Hey everybody, just want to let you know we had some audio technical difficulties while recording this episode. You'll hear uh, a feedback or an echo loop essentially on Zach's side of the line. And uh, we tried to mitigate this while recording, but obviously it still kind of came through. We're working on fixing it for future episodes. We apologize if it's annoying or hard to listen to at all. Thank you very much for listening. This is Rob, alongside Zach. Yo. And we're here to review WrestleMania 10. The first good WrestleMania. Or I should say, the first great WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. I would say. Um, so, WrestleMania 10 uh, is the first WrestleMania without Hulk Hogan. Thank God. So what what happened leading up to all this WrestleMania? Okay, so as we know from our review of WrestleMania 9, Hulk Hogan left WrestleMania 9 as WWF champion. Yep. The initial plan was for Hulk Hogan to drop the belt to Bret Hart somewhere around Survivor Series or King of the Ring. Oh, I thought somewhere it was SummerSlam. Hmm? I thought it was SummerSlam. Maybe it was SummerSlam. But it was one. It, it was one of the Big pay-per-views four. around there. Regardless, that did not happen because uh, Hulk Hogan said uh, Bret Hart was a little too small. Wasn't beat him. So instead, what we got was uh, Yokozuna defeating Hulk Hogan at King of the Ring, and then he left and uh, he went to New Japan and he did some movies. And then uh, eventually ended up in WCW. Yep. But that was basically how Hulk Hogan left. He was like, you're too small, brother. I'll lose to the fat guy. And then then he went off and did his Hulkamania thing. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, can you explain why there was two WWF Championship matches? Yes, I can. Uh, So, at the Royal Rumble, uh, Bret Hart and Lex Luger uh, exited the ring technically at the same time. Uh, I believe Bret Hart actually hit first, but it was close enough that they called it a draw. And so, um, they decided that Instead of throwing them both back in the ring and seeing who would beat who again, 
that there would just be two WWF championship matches. Gotcha. Well, there you go. I know they briefly said something, but it was like not very good when it came to uh, explaining it. Yeah, you know, like this has happened twice in Royal Rumble history. There was this time uh, with Bret Hart and Lex Luger, and then there was the John Cena and Dave Bautista fiasco of like 2004. I want to say 2005. It was five. Yeah, it was 2000, yeah, 2005. That one was an accident. We'll get to that eventually. That was awesome. But this one was on purpose. Was on purpose. Yep. All right. Well, let's get into WrestleMania. Okay. So WrestleMania this year uh, was on March 20th. And in 1994, and it was from Madison Square Garden. And this is going to be a thing for at least the next 10 WrestleManias. Any WrestleMania that ends in a zero takes place at Madison Square Garden. Yep. And they introduced the WrestleMania moments packages. And this year, we get Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler All right. as our commentators. Before we start, what's your opinion okay. on Vince McMahon? I mean, I don't like Vince McMahon as a person. I think as a promoter, he's pretty good. I, I think as like an him. announcer, he kind of sucks. Yeah, I meant as an announcer. Yeah, I. oh my god, he sounds so fake. Like, why well, yeah. did they have Jim Ross? Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's one thing. Now, there was, uh, well, I think it was a couple of years from now, he has his first spell with Bell's Palsy, so mm-hmm. this wasn't that. No. But Vince, no. Mc, but Vince McMahon has been a announcer for the better part of Oh, yeah, for a long time. Years at at he, this point. Him and Jerry Lawler were doing Raw. Right, right. No, and I mean, even before that, like when his father owned the oh, company, yeah, 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 he, yeah, yeah, he was an announcer too. So you would think that he would be somewhat good, but... No, he sucks. What it is, is I think he wants to dumb it down. He doesn't want to say, like, uh, oh, he put a backbreaker on him or whatever. He wants to just say, oh, what a maneuver, because, you know common people don't care what the mo- the mo- the names of the moves are. I would say I would. that's not true. Well. But I get it. Yeah. So that's, that's his philosophy. Um, Jerry Lawler is probably one of the best color commentators that they ever had. I agree. Uh, he's particularly good here. He gets kind of sucky uh, later on. But I think that's just due to old age. Oh, yeah. That, and he just rode the smut angle way too hard. Yes. I, I, I am dreading when we hear puppies all the time because uh, that's gross. Yep. All right. Um, all right. So we do get America the Beautiful this time. Um by Little Richard. Didn't Little Richard do one earlier? Another WrestleMania? I don't think so. 
Maybe you're thinking Ray Charles? Well, I know Ray Charles did. I thought Little Richard had done, like, WrestleMania 2 or something. Maybe. I don't remember. All right. So I guess we could get right up to the first match, which is uh, Owen Hart versus Bret Hart. The retrospective package of the first 10 WrestleManias play... And then it cuts to the new generation of superstars and the WrestleMania 10 intro. Vince McMahon introduces WrestleMania 10, and he welcomes the original wild man of rock and roll, Little Richard, as you stated. Um, there's also a choir, and this is probably the most pomp and circumstance around music, America the Beautiful in any of the WrestleManias. Uh, Vincent welcomes Jerry the King Lawler. He comes out fully decked out in his outfit, but Vince is in a tux. Uh, he then goes on about the Bret Hart, Owen Hart, and they play a video package going through the events of the rivalry. Um, I, I watched the Raw previous to this, and, you know, Owen did a really good job, you know, going through, and that was about the only match they even freaking bothered promoting besides going to the WrestleMania Control Center. Um, so, yeah, uh, that was pretty good. Either way, the Rocket, Owen Hart, Versus Brett the Hitman Hart. Starts off WrestleMania 10. Owen comes out to booze. Oh, so you're going to say something? Yeah, I know. I was just going to say that uh, this is one of the um, only, like, brother versus brother feuds that has actually been good. Yep, I agree. Because uh, they, they sometimes brother tag teams or younger brothers and things like that younger older brothers do feud quite a bit like uh the steiner brothers have done it um on a few occasions and it always turns out kind of bad because there's no intensity there but uh owen and brett definitely do have that although owen really is not that good at promos i thought owen was pretty good on the raw leading up and I like the fact he's like, brother, I'm gonna beat you. You know, you're gonna you're gonna be defeated, and I'm gonna be the best. You know, I, I thought he was pretty good. Is this the one where he said, "I'm gonna kick your leg out of your leg"? Yeah, I think so. I think. Because that's pretty bad. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's funny, but it's also pretty bad. Yes. All right. Owen comes down to booze, and instead of giving his glasses away, he rips them up. Which I was hilarious. Vince mentions it's the first time WrestleMania has opened with a brother versus brother match. Hart comes out to a huge, uh, oh sorry, I should say Bret Hart comes out to a huge ovation. Uh, King asks Vince what Helen and Stu think of this. The bell rings, and they both lock up. And Owen gets a bet- gets the better of them early on. And then he celebrates. Owen then gets a fireman's carry. And then a leg scissors to which Owen kips up. And then uh, a sit out as Brett rides Owen. Owen then is sent to the floor by Brett. Owen gets back in the ring and stops Brett across the face. So it was pretty cool see them doing some uh, uh, amateur wrestling. Yeah, they're both, like, super technical. Um, 
before, um, just to give some background on Owen Hart, because we've seen Bret Hart for a while, but we haven't really seen Owen Hart that much as of yet. Maybe this is the first time we've seen him. Um, before um, he entered... No, we saw him. Remember we had that match a couple years ago against Skinner in that really short match? Oh, right. He he did fight Skinner. I tend to forget about Skinner because <laughs> he sucks. Um... But before uh, Owen Hart really entered the uh, the Fed, he was in New Japan. Uh, he had a really good feud with Jujin Liger. And then um, he was also in Stampede Wrestling, where Bret started out as well. Yep. Um, I've read Bret Hart's biography. And in addition to calling out a whole bunch of people, he does talk really nicely about his about his brother Owen. And he says that, in his mind, Owen was the better wrestler. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but they were really good here. Yeah, I mean, I think especially at this time, I mean, Owen, obviously, I think I would say either was still finding his place. Um, I don't think he really got better until 95, 96, 97, when he broke out, you know, was part of the nation, was part of the New Heart Foundation, you know, won the Slammies. I think that's when he really broke out. Um, here, I mean, here. I mean, arguably, this is the height of his career because this is like a main event program. He never really got here again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you that the stuff he did in like '96, '97 with uh, the New Heart Foundation and and his uh, tag team with Jeff Jarrett was good stuff, and of course, even some of the Blue Blazer stuff was pretty funny. Um, but in terms of actual achievement in wrestling, I think this is kind of a, the peak that Owen Hart got, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I agree. It's unfortunate. He was a perpetual mid-carter. Uh, they exchange hammer locks with reversals. Brett is able to kip up as well and gets a quick roll-up for a two. Uh, King then says that Helen has her hearing aid turned to full blast to hear this one. King, King was awful. <laughs> I think this was right in the middle of the Bret Hart Jerry Lawler feud too, or right afterwards, because they did have a massive feud around this time. Okay, because man, they were just ragging the shit out of like Helen, especially. Yeah, no, there was like um, King and Bret Hart had a kiss my foot match, mm-hmm. and. Um, Oh, and and then there was also uh, Isaac Yankum DDS that was that came out of this as well, yep. uh, which was um, Kane, Kane, but and that was all centered around Jerry Lawler's quest to take down Bret Hart. That's gotta be Kane. I mean, in a sense, um, Jerry Lawler was the Bobby Heenan to Bret Hart's Hulk Hogan for a while. Hmm. All right. Uh, a leapfrog, uh, and then do a monkey flip, and the clothesline takes Owen out of the ring again, and Owen walks away towards the back, but Brett grabs Owen and throws him back in the ring. Brett hits a crucifix for a two, po- two count. Owen then kicks Brett out of the ring, and then runs him back first into the steel post. Owen is now taking over and puts him into the Steiner recliner. And Brett gets out, but Owen hits a running belly-to-belly suplex for a near fall. 
Owen hits a beautiful bridging German suplex for a two, and then hits a uh, jumping tombstone pile driver, then goes to the top rope and misses an elbow drop. An insecurity out of nowhere by Owen, and Owen tries for a sharpshooter, but Brett uh, hits him with a fist to get out of it. Brett hits a slingshot over the top rope onto Owen and onto the outside. Brett starts limping and grabbing his knees, or sorry, his knee, and Owen starts attacking the knee with the leg whips, kicks. Owen then starts whipping the leg repeatedly into the ring post for good measure. Owen eventually puts the sharpshooter on Brett and would get uh, pin attempts as well. Brett then reverses it, but Owen is able to get to the ropes. Brett finally gets the advantage after the insiguri to the head, and he whips Owen chest first into the turnbuckle and gets a two. Brett hits a great-looking pile driver with Owen spiked straight up, uh, almost standing on his head for a two-count. Brett then pulls Owen, uh, puts Owen on the top rope in a front face lock, and then goes for a very top uh, top rope for a superplex. Brett eventually turns over, gets a two and nine tenths pinfall. Owen locks in the sharpshooter once again to Brett in the middle of the ring. Uh, eventually, he's able to break it up. Break it up. Uh, he's able to break the hold, and Owen uh, Owen gets to the top ropes right away when it's locked in. Brett gets to the back of Owen and tries for a victory roll, but Owen bridges and covers Brett. For the cover, your winner, Owen Hart. I wrote a great match, an awesome story. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I know. I th- <laughs> it's uh, it's it's funny because I I personally think that this is probably like the best match on the card, and they just got it right out of the gate, and it was a long too, but it was it was good. That they told a really good story, and um, yeah, I I can't say more about. I can't say en- enough good things about this match. And here's the here's the thing. I don't really like Bret Hart that much. I think he's kind of boring, but this match was excellent. Yeah, um, I don't agree with you about being boring, but I, I would say he is formulaic. Um, he tends to, like, hurt his knee a lot in his matches and is, like, overcoming some body injury. But... Yeah, uh, I really, really enjoyed this match. I really enjoyed seeing that Owen got the pinfall, seeing as, you know, Hart's fighting in two matches, essentially, on the card. So Right, what and you- it added extra drama as well, because if Brett lost here, then he's not in excellent condition to fight Yokozuna later on. Yep. I so it was good storytelling there, too. After the match, Owen is with Todd Pettengill, and Owen says that he is the best of the, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And now he'll get opportunities, which sadly doesn't happen. Todd asks about Brett's title shot for later tonight, and he says that he doesn't want to take anything away from him, but he doesn't have a hope in hell. So there you go. Uh, Bill Dunn. I don't know what the fuck is Bill Dunn. I don't. Know. Did I misspell? Bill Dunn is in the ring and introduces the president of the Hair Club for Men, Cy Sperling. Cy says he is the newest. He has a newest creation, and Howard Finkel 
has a sexy new head of hair. And he looks like he's back in the WrestleMania 1 days. You look great. Poor Fink. He's, and he's... They... This is one of the long things of humiliating him. I mean, yes, he looked fine, but at the same time, why would he say, oh, well, here's the thing. He got hair plugs. Yeah. What I don't get, too, is like, I remember the hair club for men thing being big, but I'm like, who the fuck is like, oh, man, guess who I saw at WrestleMania last night? Oh, Cy Sperling? Oh, yeah, you're right. Like, give me a break. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, I no, I totally, I totally get it. It's also like it was weird. Like around this time, um, like ninety four, ninety five, there was a lot of like weird crossover stuff in in wrestling. There's the, there's the size uh, Sperling thing here. Uh, we're gonna get to it next time when we talk about a WrestleMania, but lt in the main event and then there was also gary spivey in wcw helping out uh mr wonderful oh god and this is all was happening around the same time hmm well next we have a mixed tag team match bam bam bigelow and luna vashan versus doink and dink so uh why do they have to name the female clown dink like, I get it, it's very close to Doink, but Dink sounds like something else. Yeah, yeah. So now Doink is now a babyface. He no longer comes out to scary music. Um, now he has happy circus music. Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon are now an item, apparently. And I honestly didn't know that Luna Vachon had actually debuted uh, this early. I always remembered her... When she attacked Marlena in the crowd, I always thought that's why she was introduced. No, she was at WrestleMania last year. She was accompanying Shawn Michaels. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. And Shawn Michaels wanted nothing to do with her. <laughs> He's like, <"Fuck> this? <laughs> yeah, no, I forgot about that. All right. So Doink comes, uh, let's see. Bam Bam takes Doink uh, down right away when the bell rings and then hits a drop kick. Bam Bam tries... For a senton splash, which misses, and Doink is able to whip him into the turnbuckle uh, and take Bam Bam off his feet. Dink is tagged in. Um, oh, uh, Luna's tagged in. So, what is it? Dink is tagged in. So Luna has to come in essentially. So it's midget versus a large lady. Dink is able. Uh, Dink is a girl. I thought it was a boy. Okay. Anyway, I wrote everything as he. So. My bad. It Dink really is able matter. to use her speed and sexually molest Luna with a squeeze to her butt. Yep. Dink is then draped across the ropes and Luna splashes her. Uh, uh, splash. Whatever. Anyway. Uh, Dink hits an elbow drop, gets a one count. Vince tells us Dink is a trained wrestler. Dink then runs in the circle, and Luna hits a sidekick. It's like fucking vicious. Dink was like running around in circles, and she just sticks her, her leg out and wallops her in the face. Luna then body slams Dink and climbs the top rope and tries for a splash and misses, and then tags are made. Doink uh, with a drop toehold on Bam Bam. 
uh, clotheslines Doink over the top rope. King mentions about the other Doinks under the ring, making mention of last year's WrestleMania, which I really liked to call back to. It's always nice when they, uh, you know, remember their shit. Uh, Doink tries for a sunset flip, but Bam Bam uh, sits down on Doink. A huge DDT by Doink, uh, but he climbs to the rope and tries for a flying leg drop and misses, which uh, Matt Bourne should not be doing that move. Holy crap, that looks like it hurts. Uh, Dink is then hit off the rope by Bam Bam, and then he is manhandling Doink. Bam Bam climbs the top rope for a flying headbutt for the three. The crowd lightly cheers, but overall, didn't really give a shit about this match. Your winners, Bam Bam Bigelow, Luna Vachon, and after the match, Dink attacks Bam Bam, and both attack Dink. There you go. I hate this match. For two for two reasons. One, we have Dink the Clown, which I hate to say is now part of WWE continuity, but it is. And two, I dislike the flying headbutt off the top rope. Mm-hmm. I think it's a move that should not be used, especially since Bam Bam B- Bigelow often used an awesome-looking pile driver. And nope, we get the top rope headbutt. Hmm. I liked the match when it was Doink and Bam Bam. They actually seemed like they had good chemistry and actually, like, did a decent job. I was actually pretty shocked. Well, Matt Bourne and Bam Bam Bigelow are both really good wrestlers, so it it doesn't necessarily surprise me. I don't, like, Doink is a character that shouldn't be a technical marvel when it comes to wrestling, but... Matt Bourne is a good wrestler, so he is. Mm-hmm. And Bam Bam is like one of the best big men who has ever laced up a pair of boots. So oh, for sure. Not, not super surprising. No, I, I me, guess but. I was just surprised because in the past WrestleManias, seeing you know him and just you know, honestly, Doink well, isn't that great well, of a well, shelf life of a gimmick. And you're right about sure. being a technical. He's not going to be like a freaking next, you know, Lionheart Chris Jericho or a Chris Benoit level of technicality. But I guess just from the sense of here's skinny Matt Bourne and big fat, you know, Bam Bam Bigelow, and seeing in the past how normally Bam Bam Bigelow matches, he's just used to squash tinier guys. I was just really surprised to see him hold his own and them actually put on a good match. Yeah, well, I mean, also, let's look at the last couple of matches that we've seen Doink in. Last, last WrestleMania, he was facing Crush. Yes. And, and Crush sucks. Yes. So, yes, yes. so um, but, you know, speaking of Crush, yes. he's coming up pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hail to the Chiefs starts randomly playing, and they go to a crowd shot, and it goes to President Clinton... Wink, wink. Quotes. With the WrestleMania uh, presidential suite. He has a set and all. So there you go. Falls count anywhere match. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, hold on. Yeah. No, I think this is the same Bill Clinton impersonator that they used years later when Hillary was running for president. Yeah, the first right. time against Barack Obama. They had a match between Barack and Hillary there, and they had a Bill Clinton impersonator, and I think it's the same guy. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. He's on the uh, WWF Rolodex. 
<clears throat> Falls Count Anywhere match, the Macho Man Randy Savage versus Crush. So, I mean, I don't know if this is the very first you know, Falls Count Anywhere match, obviously, for the WWF, but in my viewing of these WrestleManias, this is the first time that uh, I've seen a Falls Count Anywhere match, so cool. Oh. We probably should have had a few of them, considering how many count-out we had in the first few WrestleManias. I I would agree. So there's a weird rule to this. It's technically not Falls Count anywhere in the sense that we know it today. So the pin after you make a pinfall outside, you must get to the ring within one minute to win. So essentially, you can make the pinfall anywhere, but you have to get back into the ring. And then your opponent also has to make it back to the ring within a minute. It's, it's, it's interesting. It, it, yeah, it's kind of a cross between a false count anywhere and a last man standing match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Savage attacks Crush during his entrance. Crush is a heel with Mr. Fuji now, which seems weird, but whatever. Crush slams Savage onto the floor and drops him uh, face first into the guardrail. Crush gets the pinfall, but Savage has 60 seconds to get back to the ring. Savage slowly gets back to his feet and wobbles towards the ring, and a Fuji attacks Savage by hitting him in the back with the Japanese flag. And Fink starts counting down, but Savage is able to get back in at 2. Crush gets over Savage again. Crush then puts Savage in a tree of woe upside down and attacks the midsection with punches. Mr. Fuji hands Crush a handful of salt, but Savage blocks the salt attack, and Crush can't see now. Savage goes to the top rope and hits a double axe handle. He then hits the perfect elbow drop onto Crush, but doesn't go for the cover, and sends him to the outside and gets a three count on the floor. Uh, next to the ring. Crush then is motionless for 30 seconds, and Fuji starts hitting him with a picture... Uh, so he starts hitting them and then grabs a picture of water and pours it on Crush to wake him up. Fink starts counting down and Crush gets in at two with uh, the help of Mr. Fuji. Savage is backdropped out of the ring by Crush. Crush tries to run Savage's head into the post, but Savage blocks it and hits Crush's head against the post and against the ring steps. Savage then throws Crush over the barricade they then start wrestling in, the se- uh, in a section-off area. Sa- uh, Savage runs Crush through a doorway, and now they are backstage. And being ran into the door by Savage, Crush can't kick out of a out of a pin. So that that was weird. He like, literally threw him through a set of like doors, like you know, just be push open to open. And uh, sa- he was so hurt from it, he got a pinfall. After the pin. Savage ties Crush's feet up and then hangs him upside down on a scaffolding set, but Crush falls down from being hung upside down. He just lays there as Fink counts down. Fuji attacks Savage, but it doesn't matter. Savage is the winner. I, I think I think he was supposed to hang up there the entire time, but uh, he didn't do a very good job tying it off, so uh, he just kind of had to lay there and pretend he couldn't get up. So, well, like uh, I said, Crush sucks. Yep. Well, wait, come on. He can't, ha- he can't do anything about gravity. No, I guess not. But there was one 
there was one moment in the match that scared that really scared me for just a second. Um, when they were brawling in the crowd, Crush like kicks Savage in the face and then tries to do a pile driver on Crush, and that spot always scares me when they attempt the pile driver and then it gets reversed because like what if you let go by accident? Oh god, yes. I don't even want to know. <laughs> Todd Pentagall's in the presidential suite and he has to speak to President Clinton. Clinton endorses the, the WWF and WrestleMania. IRS is in the president's box as well, and he says that they've patched the, patched up their differences and IRS thanks him for raising the taxes. They then show off a video of fan access. You can even go into the ring. It looked pretty cool. So this is like the precursor to what we get, you know, what they started at, like, WrestleMania 16. But uh, I always thought what was really cool back in the day, even, even now, you can record yourself doing commentary, and even back then you could. And I was like, that's freaking badass. We should totally do that just once. That would be fun. Although, um, we have to be careful not to get arrested at fan access like the man who climbed the... The hell in the cell? Uh, oh, no, the elimination, the elimination chamber. elimination chamber. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm... I'm... No. <laughs> Just no. A match that I was shocked about seeing and when I watched The Raw coming into this show, WF Women's Championship. A championship that we've not seen... On the line, I think, since WrestleMania 3 or 4. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting because um, what happened here was uh, they basically built a division around Alundra Blaze, a.k.a. Medusa, uh, and they just kept bringing people in for her to fight. And uh, this is one of those. Yeah, I mean, the last time we saw the WF championship, Women's Championship being defended, it was Arachnid or whatever. Moolah. Yeah, so what I think I, what, I, what I think has happened is that uh, the WWF has purchased the title from Moolah at this point, or they created their own women's title that is not associated with Moolah so that they can do this, because... That's the reason why Mula was involved with all the previous one is because she owned the belt. Mm-hmm. So we've got oh. Lalani Kai versus Lunder Blaze. Blaze, Lalani Kai, you may remember, was at WrestleMania one. I was so shocked. I was like, "Holy shit!" Ten years later, well, at least she's still getting a WrestleMania paycheck. Kai hits a clothesline, and Blaze rolls up Kai for a near fall after a victory roll, and then another one, and another two. Kai lifts Blaze and slams her into the mat. Kai with her hair whip and a double underhook suplex for a two. Alundra with a sidekick and a suplex for a two count on Kai. The announcers mentioned that Lilani Kai was part of WrestleMania 1. Finally, a bridging suplex by Alundra Blaze for the three count. And a shot of Mula in the crowd randomly. As King says he's surprised she is still kicking. Match, I give one star. Match, it's all- one- oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, it's only going to be like two or three years before Moolah gets back in the ring with Mae Young. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so, I really like Alundra Blaze as a wrestler. I think she's, like, really underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leilani Kai is not good. No, 
Next up, we have the WWF Tag Team Championships, Men on a Mission versus the Quebecers. So, Oscar. Okay. We need to talk about Men on a Mission. All right. Because we're going to be seeing Mabel for a long time. We are. You're right. Right. But poor Mo. Mo is so underrated. I mean. Okay. So I I don't know anything about Men on a Mission. Other than they're trying to be like uh, the rapper tag team, because I kept saying, "If I say whoop, you say there it is, whoop," and they're like, "There it is." Oh man! Well, yeah. So, really, the the gimmick is that they are the urban tag team because it's three black men, and Vince well, McMahon yeah. is racist. No, um, it's called Black is Cool. <laughs> well, sure, especially in the nineties. But also because Vince McMahon is racist. Um, but um, Oscar um, doesn't stick around for very long. So, like, um, well, he's not like he had uh, marbles in his mouth during the when he was singing. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, and then um, Mo kind of gets kicked off to the side, and uh, we just get Mabel from here on out. Um, Soon to be King Mabel. Yep. But all right, not, not quite yet. All right. So Oscar, who sang "The Man in a Mission," was barely understandable while walking to the ring. It was awful. Literally, he was walking on the ring, going blah 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 blah. Man on a mission. Whoop! There it is. Blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, it's great. Stop! Stop! Stop walking and singing. You cannot do both. Shut up. Well, it's very... Have you ever tried to walk and sing at the same time? I'll do it right now. Right now. No, I've not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's harder than it looks. Well, yeah, because you got to breathe yeah, and walk. you got to breathe and walk. Yeah. And, you know, that's very difficult. Yep. All right, so randomly during the entrance... I'm very confused by this. We cut to Todd Pettengale and Rhonda Shear. Shawn Michaels interrupts and wants a picture... But then Burt Reynolds pushes down the cameraman, and then she says that Burt keeps her up all night because she's the host of Up All Night or Up Late or some bullshit on USA Network. And uh, Burt keeps her up all night, and she gets weak in the knees. What? Did they play this by mistake? No, I think that they played this because we don't want to see this match because Mabel is not very good. <sighs> so they were trying to save the audience, but of course we have to go back to the match at some point. Yes. Okay, fair enough. All right. So that happens, which is weird. The Quebecers attack Mabel, but Pierre and Jacques... Wait, but Pierre and Jacques start the match. Okay, that's not right, but whatever. I don't care anymore. Mabel is tagged in. And hits a huge leg drop after a drop toe hold by Mo. Mo is tagged back in and both hit a double elbow drop. Jacques then attacks Mo. An interesting double team move by the Quebecers perform a running backdrop over the top rope to Mo on the outside of the ring. The Quebecers keep hitting double team moves on Mo. Mo basically this entire match. Um, Mo also kicks out at two. The crowd is chanting for Mo, and he hits a somersault kick to the face on Jacques. 
Mabel is then eventually tagged in and runs through both Quebecers with ease. Mabel tries for a splash in the corner but misses. Both Quebecers then try for a double suplex, but Mabel doesn't go anywhere. They then try and get him up, and Johnny Polo, okay, a.k.a. soon-to-be Raven, uh, not in the WWF. What about Raven? What about Johnny Polo? Yeah. Quote, yeah. quote, the, quote, quote the, the Polo, Polo. nevermore. Yes. Quote the Polo, Ralph Warren, Lauren. I don't, I don't know. Um, so Johnny Polo is happy as can be by cheering into the camera. Um, after another double uh, team move and a near fall on Mabel, Mabel then hits a roundhouse kick on Pierre. Mo hits some double team move on Johnny Polo. Well, oh, sorry, while Johnny Polo is distracting the ref, so Oscar attacks Johnny Polo. The bell then rings randomly, and Man and Mission are declared the winners by countout. Man and Mission then rap with the belts and raise them up as if they won them, and everyone leaves the ringside. This was weird. This match sucked, Donkey Balls. Poor Mo. He took this entire match, and yeah, just it sucked. And yeah, poor Mo. He does this entire match, and then he gets nothing for it, and big fat Mabel gets to main event SummerSlam and then becomes Viscera and I hate Mabel. He sucks and he's always sucked and he's a big fat tub of lard and he can't move and I guess he was okay in all Japan but damn it that doesn't count. (laughs) So Donnie Wahlberg and and Ronda Ashir are introduced as celebrity guests. Ronda will be the guest timekeeper and Donnie introduces Mr. Perfect as a special guest referee. Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg, the the only talented Wahlberg. Is he the one who opened all the restaurants? Well, I I think that's their that's their brother, but Donnie Wahlberg was also in Blue Bloods and Saw Two, and I like those things. Yeah, Donnie was like, "Hey, I got an, I got a, uh, I got a northeastern accent, y'all." I don't know. It, it was well. He was also on New New Kids on the Block, which is better than Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Hold on, let me. I want to play the clip because I just I like the way he talked. Although I'm too lazy to look for it, so fuck it. Anyway, he talked and said some stuff, and then introduced Kurt Henning. I mean, Mr. Perfect. All right. You could call him Kurt Henning. That's his name. Yeah. WWF Championship match number one: Lex Luger versus Yokozuna. Now, in a very famous match or thing or event, we had the Lex Express. And then on July 4th at SummerSlam, they had the carrier match where Yokozuna got body slammed by Lex Luger onto the air carrier. And, and then the ship sank. And then Hulk Hogan had to jump in the ocean and doggy paddle and save everybody. And it was amazing. And now this match is happening. Listen, at this point, Hulk Hogan's arms aren't big enough to do the doggy paddle and have everybody on his back. That's why Lex Luger is there. Because he's the new Hulk Hogan. Well, okay then. Alright, so I wrote, and now I know why, I'm so confused why Bret Hart has a chance to fight against the WWF champion. It's already being defended. And then I wrote, this is going to be awful. 
Finn says that there's a will, there will be another championship match later on the night as both men exchange punches. Luger gets the upper hand early and tries for a clothesline, but Yokozuna comes back with his own, taking Luger off his feet. Yokozuna then tries for a splash, but misses, and Yokozuna is taken out of the ring, and they fight on the outside, with Luger hitting Yokozuna face twice into the steel steps. Vince says that Lex is the only person to ever slam Yokozuna, uh, but I thought Hogan did it in the year prior at WrestleMania 9. I could be wrong, though. Hulk Hogan doesn't exist anymore, Rob. That's why Lex Luger is the only person who has ever slammed Yokozuna. Oh, man. It's kind of awkward then in the, uh, in the video package a little later on. Yokozuna then chokes Lex Luger in the middle of the, uh, with the middle rope. Lex tries picking up Yokozuna, but Yokozuna falls over on Lex for a two count. Yokozuna then takes over beating... Yokozuna then takes over beating uh, Luger, and then he try, takes a turnbuckle off the top rope. Luger comes back with punches, but one, but with one punch, Yokozuna comes back and does a trapezius muscle nerve hold thingy to slow the match down. Eventually, Cornette and Fuji try to interfere. Lex has Yokozuna down for the win. But Kurt won't count, and Lex gets in his face and puts a finger on him, and Kurt calls for the DQ. So, my this match was terrible. I hate Yokozuna. Yes, I also hate Yokozuna. For one thing, Yokozuna has no business wrestling for 15 minutes at a time, because, <clears throat> as you said, he did a he did a nerve hold to slow the match down, but really it's to catch his breath because he can't breathe. But the nerve hold was like 20 minutes. It was like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Right, right, right. And that's going to do so, some punches. Yeah, no. And then they turned Mr. Perfect heel for no reason, and it doesn't make sense that Lex Luger is, is a face. This whole program makes no sense. You know what I didn't write in my notes? So, uh, Kurt Henning comes down, or sorry, Mr. Burr comes down. He is wearing, like, a prison jumpsuit, um, literally head to toe in referee gear. His pants are all refereed out, and his shirt's all refereed out. It was hilarious. Only to be topped by Mr. T in WCW, where he also has the referee's sleeping cap. Oh, God. <sighs> All right, let's go on to something better. The match everybody remembers WrestleMania 10 for, sadly not because of Owen and Brett. The Unified Intercontinental Championship ladder match featuring Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. So, um, hold on, I have Adam Bomb versus Earthquake. Oh God, I forgot to even write the information down about that. So, I'll I'll, I'll recap it. Such an important match. Oh yes, you'll yes. Um, so. Adam Bomb with Harvey Whippleman comes down um, with, and then Earthquake. Uh, Adam Bomb gets in the Fink's face, and so Earthquake runs in and makes the save. Uh, belly the belly suplex is followed up by a power slam from Quake. Earthquake splash finish the finishes the match at 34 seconds. Yeah, and Vince goes, "Oh, this may be a record, fastest WrestleMania win." Well, we Which know it's not, not a record because that that was 
done by King Kong Bundy in seven seconds exactly. for something ridiculous. Yep. Yep. But now we get to an actual good match. All right. So what happened here? Because isn't this like when Sean was hurt or something? I don't know. Either way, Razor Ramon has a fake belt and Sean has a real belt and now they're going to... So... Razor technically is the Intercontinental Championship or champion, okay. but I, I think that this is around the time that Sean was going to fight Dean Douglas, and he got beat up by a bunch of Marines. Oh, that's and so right. Had, and then he had to give up the Intercontinental Championship to Dean Douglas, and then Razor won it, and he was off for a while. That may have happened later, but I think that this is when that happened. I, th- I think you're right. So if people who don't know the story, essentially, Brett was out at a bar, picked a fight, and the, the numbers have been all over the place. But essentially, he picked a fight with, like, a Marine or three Marines or something. The numbers, like I said, have been all over the place. But essentially, he got his ass whooped legitimately, and he was legitimately injured. And, like, his face was all busted up, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. wait. Um, that happened later. Oh. Um, I don't know that. So, I, 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 this, is, this, is, this is what happened. Shawn Michaels got popped for doing steroids, and he had to give up the IC title back in October, and Razor won it then. So, since Shawn never lost the title... He came back and said, "Well, I'm still Intercontinental Champion," and that's and that set up this match. Weird. That's weird. They wouldn't just write yeah, something won't. off because they sure as fuck wouldn't be like, "Yeah, he was doing steroids," especially at this time. I, I think they. Well, I think they did like write him off some other way, but that that's the real that's reason the why. Okay. All right. Well. So, yes, very, very famous match. The first ever ladder match, according to WWF. Obviously not true. Blah, yeah, blah, because blah, blah. Uh, Brett and Sean actually had a ladder match in the WWF earlier. Yep. Yep. So, <clears throat> there are no rules of this match, according to Fink. Uh, the only way to win the match is climb the ladder, and you must grab both Intercontinental Championship belts. And this is to unify the belts. Why they're unifying it? Because there's one fake and one real? Beyond me. Anyway, the match starts off with a lot of spots of throwing each other outside of the ring. Eventually, Diesel is thrown out of the ringside area, which, again, doesn't make any sense to me because there's no fucking rules. Uh, the mats are then exposed, uh, moved, the mats are moved to expose to the concrete, and Razor is thrown to the concrete over the top rope. Michaels gets a ladder. But Razor gets it, and then Michaels jumps into the ring and hits a running baseball slide to Razor while holding the ladder on the outside. Michaels climbs the ladder, and Razor grabs his tights, exposing his bare ass to the crowd, which the girls go wild for. Michaels kicks Razor off the ladder to the ground, and then gives him an elbow drop with his ass still exposed. Pretty uh, funny spot that I never remember. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is about Shawn Michaels and Triple H, but they both really like showing their ass in public. <laughs> Shawn puts the ladder in the corner and goes for a whip, but Razor, to whip Razor into it, 
but he reverses it, and Sean goes face first into the ladder and then out to the outside. And instead of climbing the ladder and winning, Razor goes to the outside and attacks Michaels with the ladder, uh, finishing up with a slingshot face first into the ladder, but the ladder springs back and lands on Michaels for good measure. I think it was a uh, obviously a didn't mean for that to happen, but it was pretty funny. Um, back in the ring, Razor grabs a ladder and smashes Sean in the face, and he falls to the outside. Razor then is having issues with the ladder, taking a long time to even start getting up the ladder, but eventually starts climbing. Michaels jumps into the top rope, pulls Razor off the ladder, and then the ladder falls onto Michaels. The ladder isn't set up, and both men climb the ladder with exchanging lefts and rights, and Razor slams Michaels from the top with a sort of suplex move over the ladder, and then the ladder falls over and is broken. Razor then climbs the ladder and almost has the belt, but Sean drop kicks the ladder, and Razor falls from the top of the ladder, but the ladder itself didn't even move. It's kind of weird. He just kind of throws himself off the ladder. Um, Michaels calls for the Razor's Edge, but instead of doing it, gives him a delayed pile driver instead. Looked pretty vicious, too. Michaels then climbs the top rope and rides the ladder into a down uh, Razor Ramon. Michaels then climbs the ladder, and Razor's underneath the ladder, but Razor gets back up and shakes the ladder and then shoulder tackles it. The ladder then sends Sean crotch first into the top rope, where he gets his foot caught into the top rope, and Michaels can't get up. I really like that spot. Uh, it was very, like, it, it worked so, like, smooth. It was a very smooth spot. Yeah, no, I mean, these two are really, really good friends, but they, like, work really well together as well. Um, and despite some of the hiccups that you mentioned, like, the latter keep kept falling on Sean whenever he tried to do something. Uh, there were surprisingly few botches, considering that this is, like, the second time that Sean's ever done this kind of match, and I think this is the first time that Razor's ever done this match. Yeah. So now, uh, Michael's foot's caught in the top rope. Razor then picks up the ladder and starts to climb. As Razor reached the top, though, uh, Shawn Michaels' leg comes out of the, t- comes out of the rope. So he has to stall and pretend he's still caught into the rope as Razor grabs the titles and wins the IC title. A good match, but the ending was kind of silly with Michaels getting out of the rope. It was, it was weird. Like, his foot, I think, was supposed to stay caught the entire time, but he stands up. And then, like, turns around and goes towards the ladder, then remembers he's supposed to be stuck. So he, like, puts his leg underneath the bottom rope and then, like, tries to, like, dive at the ladder as he grabs the title. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a mistake on his part, but, man, I, I can't, I'm not going to fault the match, but it was just kind of silly. But I, I still really enjoy the match. Everything flowed really well. I mean,. Watching with 2018 eyes, this match doesn't really hold up. I mean, being a longtime WWF fan from this time period uh, as a child to now, I mean, they've ingrained this match, all the big spots, the 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 
the, you know, everything like that. It's, it doesn't hold up today because obviously just things have always gotten better, but still a really fun match and still really good. Yeah, no, um, I think that I, I agree that this match doesn't necessarily hold up super well, but I think that the, the idea of the ladder match changed in the late 90s and early 2000s with like TLC and the triangle ladder matches and stuff where mm-hmm. you were just doing moves off of a ladder, whereas in this match, they only had like two, maybe three ladders, and they were using the ladder as a weapon more so than like setting it up and then like dropping people on it. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So I think that this match is more innovative than I think like a lot of people nowadays may give it credit for. Um, there's also that really iconic um, moment where Shawn Michaels does like this big belly flop off of the ladder, yeah. which WWE showed Repeatedly. for years and years and years in opening packages. Yep. Um. But yeah, no, this is a really good match as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, this is the first time I noticed throughout the night, though, where I just noticed like Vince McMahon was fucking annoying, and then even King, I was a little like King was like cheering for HBK, and then like like calling Razor a you know idiot for walking underneath the the ladder and things like that. I was very confused because I would thought King would have been, you know, I guess Razor was a baby face at this time, which is weird to me. Yeah. And there's also another um, story that goes along with this match that um, I'm not sure is super widely known. I mean, it is, I guess if I know it, but um, this match went, super long like it went longer than it should have and there was a match planned after this one that was uh bob holly and x-pac and a few like other guys and it was completely cut from cut from the card yeah they did mention it it was kind of weird um so apparently uh the story goes that when hbk and Razor went back behind the curtain. Macho Man was there and basically cussed him out, saying how very how selfish they are, and how they now have taken you know WrestleMania payday from ten wrestlers, um, you know and whatnot. So uh, don't fuck with Macho Man. So well, as we as we have dis- discussed previously, Macho Man is insane. And he will kill you. No, I, but I think in this case, I think he's in the right. I mean, you know, yes, was this match good? Did the extra time help? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, if you're fucking there to, if you're, if your shit's timed out, don't, you're not, you know, don't fuck it up with our other people. This is the biggest payday of the year. Sure, I agree. I would hope they still got paid. I mean, well, I don't I, think anybody was ordering this match. Like, oh fuck, I gotta see Sparky plug and and one two three kid. Um, I would definitely order a pay per view if it was main evented by Sparky plug and the one two three kid, <laughs> not Hardcore Holly and X Pac, but specifically Thurman Sparky plug and the one two three kid. <laughs> there you go. So. 
They just say, well, they cut to a pack. I don't know if this is like pre-recorded or what, but Jeff Jarrett and the rest of the people are fighting over who's going to be the team leader. And Jeff Jarrett's got like LED sunglasses on. He goes, I'm great. I'm Double J. And then they just cut to Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon goes, well, the 10 man man tag team match isn't going to take place. Hey, Todd Pettengill's the president. So he's up with Bill Clinton again. And now he says, hey, you've got another guest. The Million Dollar Man. He says something. I forget what the fuck he says, but essentially he just says, I don't want to talk politics. And that was the match. Or that was the the segment. It was fucking retarded. Notice that Bill Clinton has been with heels the entire time. I did not notice that, but... (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even notice. So... Uh, we can we can clearly see how uh, Vince McMahon feels about uh, Bill William Clinton uh, as a, as a person. He he puts him up with the evil tax man, and then the evil the million dollar uh, man. Yes, yeah, the evil money man. So yes, very very sneaky Vince McMahon. There you go. And then play a package hyping Bret Hart. Showing pictures of him as a child, having family movies of him in the dungeon with Stu, uh, inter- interlaced with matches and moves. And it was such this honky tonk music, which to me did not fit the package at all. It didn't even like jive with the video. And I just hope it was edited off because of the network. It's really weird. They then do a record scratch. And they go to Yokozuna giving a bonsai drop. And then a montage set to heavy metal music. Of him beating the hell out of Brett, Hulk, and other people as the WWF champion. The music was correctly timed with the with the video. It was awesome. Alright. Well, yes. I mean, we have to have the good music going with Yakazama. Because, uh, you know, he beat Virgil. Well, there you go. And that, and Brett Hart's just known for his honky-tonk music. When I think of honky-tonk music, I think of Brett Hart. Well, Canadian he was going to be cowboy Bret Hart for a long time. So he goes a nod to that. So as always, the special guest celebrities at every fucking WrestleMania. Timekeeper Kelly from nine hundred two one zero. Jackie Garth. She did Jenny nothing. Garth. She literally Jenny Garth, not Jackie. Who? Jenny. Yes, Jenny. Oh my bad, misheard him. Guest ring announcer, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds announces special guest referee, Rowdy Piper. This is the third fucking WrestleMania where Rowdy Piper, like, inexplicably comes from, like, retirement or from not being around it for a while. Like, Jesus Christ. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I know you hate Rowdy Roddy Piper. I, I don't hate him. I became a fan of him during the WrestleMania with Bret Hart and that te- that promo about sandwiches and and all that shit. But it just seems like every WrestleMania, like unexpected, inexplicably, Rowdy Piper just shows up and it's a shock. It's smart because he gets paid. I guess. I guess. <laughs> well, I, that's why he does it. Um, also, his movie career at this point is like dead. N- nothing. 
because we're well past they live at this point. Um, maybe we're maybe we're around the time that hell comes to Frogtown is happening, but that didn't do well. Hmm. Well, here it is: the WWF Championship. Brett the Hitman Heart. <clears throat> excuse me, Brett the Hitman Heart versus Yakuzama. Yokozuna attacks Hart as soon as he enters the ring. Yokozuna hits chip, uh, kicks and chops, and then body slams Hart. Uh, King brings up the fact that Rowdy uh, got beat by Hart at a previous WrestleMania in the past and wonders if he'll be fair. Hart comes back with a headbutt, uh, which Hart grabs his head and falls to his knees, but then Yokozuna falls on his butt. Hart starts hitting punches and axe handles, and then covers uh, for a pin attempt, but Jim Cornette pulls Rowdy out of the ring, and Rowdy hits a punch on Cornette, knocking him out. Yokozuna continues his attack and punches uh, with a cho- and a, and a chokehold. Yokozuna hits a leg drop across the head of Hart. Yokozuna just stands over Hart and then picks him up and throws him over the rope. Rowdy uh, begins to count to ten, but... Piper goes a million miles an hour, and all his counts, Hart gets in at seven. He was literally like, anytime like Yokozuna had a hole, like a like a chokehold, he'd be like, "You got top five, one, two, three, four, and then he'd be like, "Let him go." And then like Hart gets thrown out of the ring, and he's like, "All right, you gotta count him, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's like Jesus Christ, let him let him build something, but no, he goes like a million miles an hour. So, um, I think he probably knew that this match was going to be, well, I mean, it's better than the Luger match, but he, I think he realized that if he could get this match over with quickly, it would, more quickly, it would be better because Yokozuna can't go for very long. Ah, could be true. Uh, Brett climbs the top rope and hits a bulldog and then rolls over Yokozuna for a 2.99999. Hart then hits a diving forearm and another close pinfall. Hart then hits a running clothesline to take down Yokozuna um, for another close pinfall. It was like one of those uh, flying clothesline things he did where he kind of landed on his butt. It looked very weird doing it to uh, Yokozuna. Yeah, um, Daniel Bryan does that sometimes, except he does it more as a forearm, but it's it's similar. Yes. Hart then climbs the middle rope and tries for an axe handle, but gets caught in midair with a belly-to-belly suplex. Yokozuna drags Hart over to the corner to set up for the bonsai drop. Yokozuna climbs to the middle rope, but Yokozuna loses his balance, falls backwards as Hart rolls out of the way. Hart then covers Yokozuna for the count. So I don't want to. I'm going to stop there for a minute. I I hated this finish. Yeah, and it's kind of anticlimactic because it's like, oh no, I all of the nerves in my butt are seizing because I fell off the top rope. I guess I can't kick out now. It wasn't even that. It was, he has done this move a million times. And he would get some fucking air on some of these and like jump like really good height. But here... He just wobbles and then falls off. Like, what the fuck? Well, yeah, but I also think at this point, let's see. 
Like at first, it's I thought they just didn't show something. I thought maybe like Brett like shook like the Brett ropes or something. But there was nothing. Well, I, I think it's also the the fact that Yokozuna can't do any long matches because at this point he's been in the ring for 15 minutes with Lex Luger and he's been in the ring for about 10 minutes with Bret Hart. So that's almost 30 minutes. Okay. So he's okay. probably like super tired and can't do much anymore. So probably that has something to do with it as well. I guess. Well, what do you think of this match? Putting that side, putting that part aside. Well, it's certainly nothing on Brett, what Bret Hart did earlier in the night, but um, I think that for a championship match, it was serviceable. But I think it was more like a TV main event than a WrestleMania main event, personally. Even though it had all the celebrities and Rowdy Rowdy Piper counting very, very quickly and looking very angry. I do gotta say, I like the fact they kept Piper down the middle. He didn't play favoritism. There was no bullshit. You know what I mean? That, that was nice. Yeah, uh, because they kind of, well, they, they played that card earlier with the Mr. Perfect thing. So they couldn't do it twice in one night. I wouldn't put it past Vince to do it, though. Well, that's... I I think you're thinking of 2018 Vince and not 1994 Vince. Agreed. All right. So Pyro goes off after the match. Yokozuna runs to the back after Rowdy Piper, who called the match down the middle and didn't fast count or anything. Vince says that we are witnessing the next decade of the World Wrestling Federation. Hart eventually... Gets up, holds the title up, and Lex Luger comes down to the ring, and they stare down. Luger then holds up Hart's arm. Piper comes down and hugs Hart. Razor then comes back down. Basically, everybody fucking comes out to the ring. And even Vince goes, I'm going to go join him, and gets his headset off and stands on the ring. And everybody cheers, and oh, it's such a feel-good moment. Uh, They then pan out to a large wide-angle shot, and we go off the air. That is WrestleMania ten. Uh, I do think it's rather funny that Vince McMahon said that this is going to be the next decade of the WWE because it certainly was not. Um, It was like the next few years, but, you know, after 1996, uh, it changed changed a lot. Um, And, well, I mean, Bret Hart was there for a good part of that, but mm-hmm. a lot of those other guys, you know, Lex Luger is gone next year. Um, Razor Ramon doesn't stay around for much longer. Neither does Diesel, mm-hmm. but we do get, we do get uh, Diesel as champion. I think. Oh, goody. Where does Yokozuna go? Is, is he fired or? Um, Yokozuna stays around for a while. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, he doesn't win the WWF championship again, but he does form a tag team with a certain Rocket Man. Huh, I wonder what that could be. And uh, and that's quite amusing. All right, are you ready for the Dave Meltzer Wrestling Observer star ratings? I would love to hear what the Wrestling Observer Dave Meltzer has to say. <laughs> Bret Hart versus Owen Hart. 
four and three fourth stars. I actually knew that star rating. Um, I would say that I disagree. I believe that this match should have gotten five stars and not their SummerSlam match, which he did give five stars because that match does not hold up well. Hmm. Bam Bam Bigelow match with Dink and Doink. One and three four stars. I'm surprised that was not a negative. Yeah, no, that w- that's generous. Savage versus Crush, two and three fourths. Lilani Kai. Seriously? Yes. That is very generous. He must have been in a very good mood. I would think the novelty of being. I, I would think maybe the novelty of just being a false con anywhere. I, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, by then they were doing the stuff in Japan, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, the women's match is one and one fourth star. I think that that is a perfectly fine rating for that match because it was only three minutes. Lex Luger versus Yokozuna was half a star. About right. And then uh, Earthquake versus Adam Bomb was a dud. Okay, that makes sense. Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon, five star. Five star. Okay, I I would say that nowadays it probably isn't a five star match, but oh, no, of it makes sense that it is. Yeah. I mean, uh, Dave Meltzer even said it's about the time and place you're watching it. That's what the rating matters. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, even yes, I'm, I've heard him say that too. But if if you go back and watch something again, and it, if it's a five star match, it shouldn't necessarily degrade a ton over time. I, I would say it's probably like a four star match now. Finally, Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, two and one four stars. Uh, I mean, sure. Why not? Oh. WrestleMania 11 <laughs> looks like shit. Yes, WrestleMania 11. Um, so, yeah, uh, WrestleMania 11's interesting. Um, because, um, you know those celebrities that you dislike, Rob? Yes. There are a lot of celebrities at WrestleMania 11. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll just give you a, a, a few as a, as a uh, teaser. We got Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Again? No, like... I don't think Jonathan Taylor Thomas has been there before. Oh, uh, he was a last year. Oh, okay. Um, but this was the height got... of JTT, I would think. No, I think 96, 97 was. Probably. I, you know, home improvement's a thing right now, so. Yes. Um, we got Jenny McCarthy Boo. And, pa- and Pamela Anderson. Boo. And we got um, the fridge. Boo! <laughs> the <laughs> fridge is actually wrestling. Oh God! And well, it's the main event. Well, maybe we'll record this episode in four to six months when I don't want to watch it. I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ! 
<laughs> well, <laughs> WrestleMania 10 from the books. What are your thoughts on the first Wait, WrestleMania 10, uh, first 10 WrestleManias? Well, I mean, we did a retrospective of the first nine. Oh, you're right. Um, I'm sorry. You're right. Sorry, it's been a while. It um, has been a while. It has been a little bit while since we've recorded something. As far as this one goes, like I said, I think this is, even though some of the matches were not great, this is the first really good WrestleMania, uh, one that's iconic, because, yes, we remember WrestleMania 1 because it's the first one, and we might rest, remember WrestleMania 4 because it had that tournament that nobody likes, and we remember WrestleMania 6 because of... We re- remember certain WrestleManias because of one or two matches, yeah. but we remember WrestleMania 10 for at least three. Mm-hmm. And Owen, Sean, Brett winning the title. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Brett, Owen... Winning the title and the ladder match. And the ladder match. And I think from here on out, we'll start to see certain WrestleManias having that quality where we remember them from more than just one match. Although, the next one is uh, not one of those. Yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to 11. Not that I've ever seen it, but... And WrestleMania 12, I remember seeing because of the hour-long Iron Man match, which, I'll be honest, it's a good match, but fuck it, I want to do notes for an hour, but okay, I will. Anyway, I'm just excited to get to WrestleMania 13 for my all-time fucking favorite match. Oh, is that the uh, Rowdy Piper Goldust match? How did you know? (laughs) And actually, that's not WrestleMania 13, that's WrestleMania 14, I thought. No, it's, uh, it I think it's 13. Oh, God. Yeah, man, I love the Gold Dust versus Roddy Piper match. I mean, it had everything. Police chases, um, backlot brawls, a, a baseball bat, attempted, ve- attempted vehicular homicide. Everything a good match needs. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, and then um, some nobody we get the return Stone Cold. We also get the return of the Warrior soon. Oh, that's what we need. And um, oh, there's this uh, bald guy named Stone Cold Steve Austin. He shows up, but you know who cares about that guy? <sighs> yeah, he's never gonna. Who the fuck is that guy? Last I heard, guys in black spandex don't get over. Um, right. I gotta say though, honestly, I am glad Hulk Hogan is gone because after last year's WrestleMania, I was just like, "Fuck Hulk Hogan!" I am over his bullshit. And for once, we get a WrestleMania that doesn't end with fucking Hogan posing and and all this other bullshit. But I do gotta say, I miss Jesse Ventura. I miss Gorilla. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jesse's in WCW at this point. Yep. And Gorilla is around. He's just he's not doing super well in terms of health-wise, so that's why he's not there. So, um, but I'm really looking forward to the team of Jerry Lawler and Jim Ross starting up fairly soon. Yay. Although I think we do have to deal with Vince McMahon for a few more years. Yeah, I agree. 
All right, everybody. All right, Thank everybody. you very much for listening. Um, tell us what your favorite match was. And how can people yes. reach us? Write us an email at reviewamaniapodcast at gmail.com. All right. And check out the rest of the uh, episodes uh, on cosmicpotato.com. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Yes. Bye.